0: This is The Top Story. I'm Su Yi. A magnitude 6.8 earthquake jotted China's Sichuan Province earlier this week. Luding the County, Luding County. County. Luding County. the in The, of 10. So the
1: using
0: Causing nearly 90 deaths already, with over 30 others still listed as missing. While well, the region's prone to earthquakes, what's changed over the years when it comes to China's emergency response system particularly at a primary level. My colleague Fei Fei joins me in this episode. She's talked with some locals from the quake zone. Fei Fei, uh, let's first check the situation on the ground. How is the town affected by the earthquake?
2: I was able to speak with one of the residents in the old town of Moxi, which is a tourism town. It's located about 40 minutes drive away from the epic center. The epic center is located in a glacier park called Hai Luogou, Mm. um, deep in the mountains. And the the old town is where a lot of the hostels, the restaurants, the little B&Bs are situated. And there lives Xiao Tang, a Sichuan local. She moved to Moxi about a year ago, and she worked as a waiter and also a publicist for her little b in Mo Town, And she lives in this three-story house along the main street of the town. And when the quake hit, she was taking a break in her room in the underground level of the house. There's and she started to feel the shake of the quake, and it took her a few seconds to actually realize what's been happening.
1: When I realized what happened, I screamed. My room is underground. I know that being underground is very dangerous in earthquakes and increases chances of getting trapped.
2: She she sort of rushed out of the house very fast, Mm. wearing her pajamas, didn't take her phone, didn't wear any shoes, so barefooted, she barefooted, stand in the middle of the street watching the tiles on the rooftop falling down to the street and breaking on the street, and the whole street is sort of shaking and the houses are wobbling. Mm -hmm. After the shake was over, she was unable to walk because she didn't wear any (laughs)
1: shoes and... So I ran out. Many houses in Moshi are made of wood, and the roofs are built with tiles. So is our BNB and And the tiles were falling down on the street. Tile pieces are everywhere. There are debris here and there from the tiles
2: all along the street, and she had to be carried to a safe place by one of her
1: co-workers. And my co worker realized I wasn't there as they were running to a safe place. So they came back and they carried me to safety. I'm very grateful.
2: She's a Sichuan local. She's been through a couple of shakes from earthquakes through the years. But she told me it's one of the most frightening experiences for her so far.
1: We arrived at the safe place, but there were frequent aftershocks. We stayed together and were very scared.
0: So, like one of the most frightening it sounds very, uh, I guess, is more serious than we previously thought. So, I know thousands of rescuers still working there to deal with this kind of situation. We've been told heavy rains could hamper the rescue efforts. So, how is the uh, rescue work going?
2: Well, from Xiao Town's experience, it went really well in a way that she told me that about half an hour after the shakes were over, she started to saw people coming out of the street using loudspeakers, telling people to go to a square in that old town, which is not a really big town, mm. it's a really small town. And when she and her co-workers reached to that square, tents are being built Mm -hmm. like with the emergency written on top of the tents so people hustled about you know building tents taking out beds beddings and she said it it seems they're prepared for situations like this
1: I feel they have very good emergency response plan. They are able to set up tents so fast. I didn't expect seeing people working on tents and sending supplies when I arrived at the square.
2: And she wasn't sure who are these people using loudspeakers. But everybody came in to help. Uh, Some of the young adults went to help build the tents. Some of them didn't know how to build a tent. So they have these instructions ready to tell them what to do. And very fast, she started to see many tents with enough beds and beddings inside ready for people who are not able to go back home. You know, the quake happened around noontime. Mm. So when the quake hit, water, power, communications were cut off. We're talking about a 6.8 magnitude earthquake here. Hmm. About three to four hours later, their communication resumed. That means people can make phone calls. People can go online. And that's why we started to see videos and photos posted by these locals Hmm. sharing their experiences about the earthquake. The water was resumed on the third day after the earthquake. And Tang said they're still having trouble with power. Even though they are uh, emergency charging facilities in the square where a lot of emergency tents were built, but they're just overwhelming demands because everybody wants to recharge their phones. So the workers are still working to repair and repair the lines and to resume the power Mm. for the town. That's the situation in the old town. But for a lot of the villages deep in the mountains, of the epic center situations are quite different. The transporter was cut off and was not easy to resume because landslides just kept coming because of the aftershocks. Mm. Um, Xiao Tang said on the second day, on the third day, there are frequent aftershocks and they weren't able to get enough sleep because the aftershocks were just so strong that they were scared to go to sleep. So with the aftershocks comes more landslides. And so that's why even though the rescuers are trying to dig in a way out of the landslides into the villages, it's just um, a very slow process. Mm. So for a lot of the villages deep in the mountains, they are still, they're still trying to figure out ways, different ways to go inside of the villages and sending supplies or sending injuries out of the village mm.
0: like you mentioned tents uh, were built very quickly mm. and those people have been transferred to shelters also in the first few hours after the quake, for the people who've been relocated to shelters and how's their life there how's their life in those uh, evacuation centers
2: um, so for Xiao Tang, they didn't really live in these tents because their houses were evaluated and checked upon and then experts said it's safe for them to, to live in the house. So they returned to their B&B house after the quick. But for those who are living inside those tents, as I said earlier, that beds and beddings were set up from the very early stage. So they were able to take a break there. And there were food, cup noodles, and especially when it comes to short-of-hands on these shelter centers, many villagers and local residents actually volunteered to come to help, to cook the meals. Or to sending out supplies, helping those injured or elderly or people with limited mobilities. People are helping each other in this scenario. It's mm. just not just relying on the governments, but mm. everybody is trying to pitch in and doing something to contribute their part mm. into these emergency response efforts. Mm.
0: So more about that, like you mentioned, uh, Xiao Tang has experienced several earthquake in the past few years. Uh, We know Sichuan locals also witnessed multiple quakes in recent years. And of course, the big one in 2008. So how are people uh, prepared this time?
2: Well, I would say for Xiao Tang, she knows what to do. When the quake hit, she was in the underground level and she know it's not safe to be there during an earthquake, so that's why she rushed out without anything except for her PJs. So Xiao is one of the examples, and we can see other video clips online uh, taken from civilians' cameras in schools, in kindergartens. We can tell that students and teachers also, know what they need to do in mm. a situation like this. Mm. One of the widely spread videos online is showing students scooted down under their desk the moment when the quakes start to shake. And the teacher was going out to the hallway, checking what's happening, and then she told the students to take out their books you know, holding the books up on their heads to protect themselves. And then the students sort of rushed out of the classroom in a quite orderly way Mm. without any, you know, chaotic... It's supposed to be a chaotic situation, Mm. but... From the videos we can see, it's not really that way. And so the students were able to go out into to the outside within one minute or two. Mm. And the same is happening in the kindergartens as well. People in Sichuan this time, no matter from the villages level to uh, the townships or to big cities like Chengdu, you can see that people know what to do when the quick start. Mm-hmm before the rescues were able to reach to the place, to the affected areas, it's very important for those affected to know how to handle an emergency like this. For yeah. instance, hiding underneath the desk or going into the bathroom in your home is a safe place to go. So you can see that education is available yes. and is working in yeah. this case,
0: right? Public awareness is very important in emergency, and you said people know what they should do, and also this whole system on the primary level works very well. Let's talk about the government. If the response from the authorities, any notable improvements uh, comparatively speaking with the previous years?
2: Well, the first thing I think a lot of us has noticed is with the alert systems, uh, we can see a lot of videos showing that the alert was given thirteen seconds prior mm-hmm. to the earthquake. You can hear the countdowns. Mm-hmm. That alert is basically sort of warning business and factories to take precautious measures to avoid more fatal incidents like mm. gas leaks. Yeah. Um, so And also for locals, when they heard the alerts from their televisions, from their phones, and they realized they need to find a safe place to hide. And over the years, the authorities are also establishing a community level of response teams mm-hmm. where I think a lot of experts and authorities around the world agree that communities are the first to take any response measures right. when emergency happened. Mm-hmm. So in Sichuan alone, there are over 34,000 such response teams in every villages, counties, you name it, in cities. And they are trained with essential knowledges in how to deal with emergencies, and they held drills on a regular basis. Hmm. And they also are responsible to educate the public about the right things to do in emergencies like earthquakes, like floodings, like wildfires. At the same time, they're actually also in risk management system uh, running up from the county level up to the top authorities. Hmm. And they have a playbook ready for different scenarios. They have, like, indicators to say that when to activate a certain level of emergency response. And in this case, in Moixi and in the county of Luding, they are activating a level 2 earthquake emergency response. And that means there needs to be coordination among different departments from the top authorities. They need to get in, have the military forces get involved. And the indicators also vary from the number of casualties or the areas the earthquake has affected. And when they are decided to activate this level of response, and everybody inside the systems know what they need to do Mm. and how to communicate and who to speak to, Mm. there are also a lot of tools available for these departments and experts to work around in a situation like this. For instance, in this time, they deployed about more than 10 satellites to take photos or videos to sort of survey around what's happening in the epic center at the early stage, because we know most of the roads were cut off. A lot of villages and counties and towns has lost communication, lost contact with the outside world. And the easiest way is to use satellites to take photos so that experts and rescue teams can get a grip of what's happening in there mm. on what scale of areas are affected, how serious the situation is up in the in the mountains. Mm. There are different satellites taking high-resolution photos and images, sending back to these teams, and there are also drones. I don't know if you remember back in 2008 during that Wenchuan earthquake. There's a really famous incident about soldiers had to jump down from the helicopters because there's just no way to get inside of those villages and mountains. Mm -hmm. But in this time... Uh, drones coming to help. Mm-hmm. The drones carrying cameras are able to survey around the villages and mountains before the rescue teams going in so that they can make plans. And the drones are also carrying communications base stations so that in Xiao Tang's old town uh, of Moshi, the communication was able to resume three to four hours after the earthquake hit. It's mm-hmm. pretty fast. So even though it's not you know as good as what we have right now, but it's still you are able to make phone calls, you are able to get contact with the yeah. outside world. Right. So we can tell that from the organization, from the mobilization of different departments and agencies, on also on the technological front, China has seen a lot of developments hmm. right now. Yeah.
1: Would you like to receive the latest news updates about China and the rest of the globe? Tune in to The Beijing Hour every weekday for the latest in politics, business, sports, and entertainment from a Chinese perspective. Subscribe to The Beijing Hour for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: This is the top story. I'm Su Yi. A magnitude 6.8 earthquake jotted China's Sichuan province earlier this week. Here is what happened in the first few hours after the earthquake hit. Half an hour after the quake, over 500 firefighters rushed to the epicenter. Sichuan's provincial highways opened green channels for rescue teams. An hour after the quake, the authorities activated a national emergency response. By early evening, a communication drone took off and headed towards the epicenter. Around 8 that night, rescuers had pulled over 30 survivors from debris and electricity restored in 12,000 households. Soon after midnight, the state of emergency response was lifted to level 2. And all this comes against the backdrop of another round of COVID resurgence. My colleague Fei Fei joins me in this episode. Yeah, from communication channel to, like you mentioned, satellites and drones. But, I mean, the situation now is that still, like you mentioned, in some remote villages, re- remote towns, people are still waiting for rescue. So what are the challenges from now on to the rescue work?
2: Well, the first one is the aftershocks. There are more than 10 major aftershocks after the first 6.8 magnitude earthquake hit the county of Luding, Mm -hmm. and uh, with the aftershocks, it caused more landslides. For a lot of the rescuer teams, they had to walk through mountains, through rivers, into these villages to send supplies in and to carry injuries out of Mm -hmm. the village
0: are still trying harder to cross this tough and big river because after that, they all climb and go over that gnarly mountain to reach one village to find five earthquake victims and transfer them to the hospital.
2: And we're talking about a soldier carrying 20 kilograms of supplies like food, like cup noodles, like rice into these villages. Mm -hmm. In this part of Sichuan, it's very mountainous and we're talking about 1000 to 3000 meters above sea levels mm-hmm. and they have really large rivers and we're not in, not talking about you know quietly streaming down kind of rivers yeah. they're like roaring mm-hmm. and if you drop inside of these rivers there's basically no chance mm-hmm. to rescue you because you just disappeared from yeah. the roaring waves Mm -hmm. of the rivers so these rescuers had to first of all build temporary bridges because the only roads leading to the villages were cut off so they have to figure out alternative ways to get inside these mountains and villages and they were using pipes sometimes steel pipes sometimes really long wood logs to build a really temporary small bridge so that they can walk along this bridge And go up into the mountains. And they carry very, very heavy stuff on their back. So it's very challenging for them. Under the town of Moxi, there is a village called Mozi Gou. And rescuers had to walk four hours alone to get inside the Mm -hmm. village and sending supplies. And then they had to walk another four hours out of the village and carrying, you know, injuries. Mm -hmm. And we're a lot of the injuries are in their 80s or 90s they're not able to walk alone some of them are children and it's not safe for them to travel alone at this time Mm -hmm. this is one of the challenges i think a lot of the rescuers are talking about Mm -hmm. and also actually xiao tang told me it started to rain and it's getting really cold uh she had to put on a down jacket at nights so Sending supplies to keep people warm is another challenge. They are deploying helicopters inside the villages, but it's also difficult to find a safe place to to land these helicopters. Mm -hmm. In another county that's been affected called Shimian, they actually, I think, used two days to actually figure out a place to land these helicopters safely, Mm -hmm. and so that they are able to transport injuries and supplies in and out. Hmm.
1: Transportation to the worst hit villages is not fully restored, so the hospital is using helicopters to transfer the severely injured patients to the downtown area, and the rescue mission is still underway.
2: Experts are also estimating that maybe rainfalls are coming in the coming days, which may cause more landslides, mud slice, and also flooding in these areas, which also pose more challenges to the rescue works.
0: Mm-hmm. Moving on to reconstruction. We know reconstruction is a very difficult task in any sort of emergencies, but I guess it's especially difficult for a mountainous regions like in Sichuan. yeah, so when can people go back home? I mean,
2: well, I don't think there is an exact answer at this point mm-hmm. because people are still seeing aftershocks. So, a lot of the villagers say that their houses are severely damaged during the earthquake. Mm-hmm. So we need to wait until the aftershocks stop to be able to start reconstructing. Mm-hmm. Rescuers and experts are also evaluating right now, you know, the level of damages each house and each buildings is and the work is not done yet so it's still underway so there's no time frame available for mm-hmm. reconstruction and rebuild yeah. and for a lot of the villagers is uh, also a devastating experience i, I remember i dm one of the villagers in moxi town that she shared on douyin the chinese tiktok about yeah. her experience and she said her home was gone Mm -hmm. And she's now living in one of the temporary shelters, uh, having cup noodles with three others of her friends and villagers. But you can tell that she's really not in a really happy mindset right now. Mm. So that's why we are only chatting online and not able to to speak on phones. Apart from rebuild their houses and buildings, it also takes time for people to deal with these mental issues mm. after the earthquakes.
0: Yeah. So more about that. What about Xiao Tang? Like, uh, did she have any uh, second thought about living in this kind of a remote town?
2: Yeah, I actually mm. asked her that. Mm-hmm. And she said she hadn't really had time to actually think about these things right mm-hmm. now because she are still seeing aftershocks. Everything is up in the air at the moment. But she did said. The town needs a long time to be rebuilt, and it's a tourism town, Hmm. so maybe for a certain period of time, they won't be able to receive any visitors and tourists. So maybe after everything started to calm down, you know, the aftershocks were over, and she maybe moved to another city, another place to start because the reason she moved to Moshi is that she wants to learn how to run an B&B hmm. so that she can start maybe her own in the future. Hmm. moshi has this really calming place because you know in the backdrop of the Moshi old town you can see the Gonga mountain hmm. and it's not a really famous town in China so not very many tourism in the town so it's nice to live in and work in but maybe for a 20-year-old, 20-something like Xiao Tang, it's not certain at the moment. Because frankly, the earthquake is not over for them. So we'll have to wait and see. Hmm.
0: Thank you very much, fei
2: Thank you for having me. Hmm.
0: And that's it for this episode of The Top Story. I'm Sui. See you next time.